Happy Sabbath. It's not the Sabbath. I suggest you go to a Bible college or take Bible studies. Amen? God is good. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm excited about tonight's message. I believe that God has something very special in store for us. I really appreciate the prayer time that took place to ask God to really open up our hearts and our minds tonight. Amen? Amen. Have you guys been blessed at iShare? Have you had an awesome summer? Amen. Amen. The Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Do you believe that? Amen. Amen. I never forgot, when I went into call portering, I didn't want to go into call portering. I actually went into call portering one week late. I even cried the first night I got there. <laughs> A 24-year-old man crying. I did cry. I didn't have enough money to pay off my school bill. So I did what God wanted me to do. The summer was over. I didn't even make enough as the 15-year-old call porters did. But when I was done with the summer, I knew I did what God wanted me to do. Amen? A week later, I called up the finance lady at my school. She was so excited about talking to me. It was very surprising. It's always difficult to talk to the finance person, isn't it? But I talked to her. She was really excited. And she said, oh, no, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? She said, the day you left to go call porting, an anonymous donor called, paid off all of last semester's debt. And then she said, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? She just called right before you did, and she wants to pay off the next semester. If you do what God wants you to do, he will take care of you. Amen? If you do what God wants you to do, He will take care of you. Amen? His word does not return void. You know what's really interesting? I like to get up early. I like to spend time with Jesus, like you should. Amen? I was reading one morning about Isaiah 65, verse 24. The Bible says something so remarkable. It says this, Before you call, I will what? Answer. And while you're still speaking, I will hear. Now, I read that about 4.30 a.m. And I thought to myself, you know what would be really great? How about I text my friends 4.30 a.m. in the morning this beautiful text message? (laughs) The Bible warns us against waking up your friend with a loud voice. But I said, I'm not texting them. I'm not talking to them. I'm just texting them. So I sent it to my friends, 4.30 a.m. I sent that verse. However, I forgot one of my friends was actually on this text message message list who wasn't very friendly towards Christianity. He was an atheist. In fact, he used to be a theology student at Weimar College, fell away. He got more tasks. The light had gone out of his eyes. He got into a lot of MMA fighting. His life had changed. He'd given up on God. He did not believe in God anymore. And I realized I had accidentally texted him too. And I thought to myself, here comes the curse words. And sure enough, I was staring at my phone. Within a couple minutes later, he texted me back. And I thought to myself, here it comes. And it said, thank you, brother. And I thought to myself, what in the world's going on here? So I said, what do you mean? And you know what he said to me? He said this, I just had a nightmare. And in my nightmare, 
I felt this incredible loneliness, this fear, this darkness, darkness was over me, and I cried out. As soon as I got out of that nightmare, I cried out. I said, God, if you're there, show yourself. And as soon as I said that, my phone went off and said, before I, you call, I will answer. Amen? And while you're still speaking, I will hear. Amen? God is good. Amen? Even when our voice is not powerful, God's voice is powerful. Voice is going out right now. But I believe the word of God will speak. Hope you got your Bible out or your iPad, iPhone. Praise the Lord, the Bible is the only device that doesn't need to be upgraded. In fact, it upgrades the user. It's time for us to ask for an upgrade. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you. We thank you for the promise in Psalm 46, verse 10, that says, Be still and know that you are God. Lord, we are praying, not for less of your spirit, but for a greater portion, that you would end this I share and our summer of ministry with the way that would leave us, Lord, changed. God, we just pray and ask that the Holy Spirit would speak mightily to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the name of this sermon is called The Mark of the Beast Revealed. The Mark of the Beast Revealed. Take your Bible, let's go to Revelation chapter 14. Who knows what Revelation chapter 14 is all about? Raise your hand. Amen. It's like the Pledge of Allegiance for Adventists, right? The three angels' message. We're going to Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. And you are looking at the last warning given to this world. And this message brings about enmity from the world as well. We're going to Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. Let's start with verse 9. Then the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image, and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest, day or night, who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. The last message given to this world is the third angel's message. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, this message will go to the entire world. But as this message is going to the entire world, the world comes across this message and many begin to resent this message. Enmity rises up against the message. In fact, when you read the, the pattern of Scripture, you find that when, in the prodigal son story, the father accepted the younger son, the older son became angry, and he resented his father and his brother. When you go back a little further, you find the story of Cain, 
that when God accepted the sacrifice of Abel, Cain rose up in anger. And what you see in Scripture is a response to the third angel's message. And as we preach that message more and more, the world will become angrier and angrier towards this message. But God has called us to be faithful. Amen? The Bible says a very interesting kind of warning. It tells us to beware of the mark of the beast. And those who worship the beast, the Bible says, they have no what, day or night? Rest. Do not forget that phrase. The Bible warns us that if you worship the beast and his image, you will have no rest day or night. Now what we're going to do is we're going to quickly go to the very first book of the Bible. You're going to find out about the very first person who received the mark of the beast. His name was Cain. Let's go there right now. Genesis chapter 4. Many of you are thinking to yourself, where in the world is he going with this sermon? You're going to have to find out. Genesis chapter 4. We have the story of Cain, and we have the story of Abel. The word Cain is a very interesting word. It actually means acquired. The word Abel means nothing. In fact, when you go to the book Ecclesiastes, the word Abel is the word Hebel, which means in Ecclesiastes, the word Hebel of Hebel, all is Hebel. In other words, vanity of men's vanity, all is vanity. You find out the story of Adam and Eve. They really believed that Cain was the promised seed. Turns out, he killed his brother Abel. God confronts Cain. And I want you to see what happens here. Go to Genesis chapter 4. Go to verse 10. And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a what? Vagabond, you shall be on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out of this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a what? Vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that if anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken upon him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. You find out in the very book of Genesis that God actually marks who? Cain. Cain actually receives the mark of the beast in the beginning. Now, what is very interesting about this is something so powerful. Now, if you listen to the words of God, you missed it if you were not paying attention. The Bible says this. Cain says, whoever finds me will kill me. The Lord told Cain that you will be a fugitive and a what? Vagabond. The word vagabond actually means wanderer. Now that's interesting. This is where it starts getting even more deeper. Cain was told he was going to be a what? A fugitive and a what? A wanderer. But what is so interesting, in the next part of the chapter, you know what he does? He builds a city and lives there. Does Cain sound like a wanderer to you? No. 
But the Bible says he was to be a wanderer. So what is a wanderer? It's somebody who doesn't find rest. Now, we've, we found out from Scripture that Cain actually found a home. But what did he not find? He never found spiritual rest the rest of his life. Ladies and gentlemen, what we begin to understand about the mark of the beast is that those who worship the beast and his image, they have no what? Rest day or night. What we find out about Cain, although he had a house, he had no rest for the rest of his life. He was somebody, the Bible says, built the city. But even as he lived in the city, the Bible tells us he was still a wanderer. He was somebody who never had spiritual rest the rest of his life. Why? We'll take a good look at the scripture. Go to Genesis chapter 4, verse 16. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Excuse me. Here we begin to see something so powerful and so relevant for us, ladies and gentlemen, and that is this. You have a choice to make. And that choice is this. Whether or not you are going to leave the presence of God when this summer's over. And those who leave the presence of God, guess what? They're going to be in a land of wandering, of spiritual restlessness. They will never know the direction God is leading them. They will not sense again his presence. Why? Because they made the terrible mistake of leaving his presence. And ladies and gentlemen, what is tied into the mark of the beast are those people who walk away from the presence of God. And we need to understand this. Because as we're done with this summer, we got a whole new year that's awaiting us. And God wants us to be even more consecrated to him. He doesn't want us to move away from his presence. Rather, he wants us to move into his presence. Can you say amen to that? And this is extremely important. I apologize right now. I sound like a 90-year-old man. But the word of God is still true. Amen? Every single day, you need to be spending that time with Jesus. That will be your anchor in this world because you're going to be faced with a lot of situations, a lot of discouragement. You're going to be faced with a lot of loneliness and times that you are not surrounded by godly people. But that's why the communion you have with Jesus every single day will keep you. You see, Cain was somebody who walked away from the presence of God. And when he walked away, he was just in the land of wandering. The word non means wandering. Spiritually, no aim in life. And all he was was somebody who was floating around. Though he had a location, he was somebody that never found rest. And you can make that decision too, to leave the presence of God. But God wants you to commune with him every single day. Amen? By the way, the first person you find who really had a deep relationship with God was Enoch. Did you know Adam lived all the way to the time of Enoch? In fact, that was one of the last saints Adam saw before he died. Do you know why Enoch's life was so important to Adam? 
Because the Bible says this about Enoch. He walked with God and was what? Not for God took him. Let me ask you a question. Who prior to that walked with God? Adam. In fact, Adam recognized God's walk when he even hears the sound of it. And so Adam, who just saw many of his descendants turn away from God, lived all the way to the time of Enoch, and he found one descendant who was so deeply um, in touch with God that his walk was called a walk. And that was hope for Adam. You want to know why? Because mankind, it was to Adam, mankind could have that relationship that he once had in Eden. And Enoch's life was so important. Why? Because to Adam, who was first given the death sentence, he lived all the way to the time of Enoch, who was the first man relieved of the death sentence. Enoch was hope for Adam's life, ladies and gentlemen. Enoch reached a place of communion so deep, it rivaled Adam's. And this was such hope for Adam because he saw thousands of his descendants walk away. And I love what Ellen White says. She says this. This is so powerful. There are Enoch's today. There are Enoch's today. Ladies and gentlemen, you can be somebody whose walk is so deep. You can be somebody whose communion is so special with God that nothing in the world can shake you. And regardless of those things that take place, the more you commune with God, the more purer your heart will become. Enoch lived during a time when even the church itself was mixing with the world. Yet his heart became purer and purer and purer. And as we see the world falling apart around us, as we see the world crumbling, we can be people who are so deeply in tune with God's spirit that our character is being changed day by day by day. I hate to say this, ladies and gentlemen, but I know there are some people here who've already laid off their communion time with Jesus. There are some people here, after such a powerful experience, they're already starting to walk away even before they left this place. But God is calling back to them. And he's calling them back to commune with him. And every day you live your life, ladies and gentlemen, you need to be seeking deeper and deeper the presence of God. And this is hitting me more and more each day as I grow older. And that is, no matter what happens around me, I need the presence of Jesus. There used to be a time where I used to get up and I used to preach a bunch of sermons and I felt the satisfaction that nothing in this world could change. But after time, that got old. There used to be times when I'd go into the water and I'd baptize people and I'd just be like, praise God, 15 people in a row I'd baptize. But after a while, that got old. Times that I used to see people who would grow into, come into ministry and they would get up and they'd preach better sermons than me. I'd be like, praise the Lord, but after a while, that got old. And I begin to find out that the only thing that was satisfying my empty heart was communion with Jesus. Do you see this, ladies and gentlemen? Nothing in the world will satisfy you like God. And Cain made the wrong mistake of walking away from the very thing that could have given him 
rest and the peace that his heart was longing for. And you're going to be faced with a lot of temptations. You're going to be faced with a lot of situations. You're going to be faced with a whole bunch of different things. But guess what, ladies and gentlemen? God is calling you to commune with him every single day. That your relationship with him would grow stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Day by day, you will be seeking the face of God. By the way, do you know what could have saved Lucifer? No one knows the answer. You need to read Patriarchs and Prophets. She actually describes when the rebellion began that God set forth his son before the universe and they all begin to worship God and even Lucifer fell down and worshiped God and she says that the rebellion was lost sight of. And had Lucifer continued in that worship of God, it would have saved him. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't think that we're much better than perfect angels. And if they're starting to fall, if they fell away, how much more do we need the presence of God? Amen? Day by day, I believe with my last bit of voice, I think I got about 10 minutes of voice left, then I'm done. I just want to pray that you understand this message because it's important to understand and grasp If there's one lesson you can learn, and that is this, you need to spend time with God every single day. Come hell or high water, you commune with Jesus every single day. Can you say amen to that? Even when you fail a million times in a day, you go back to Jesus and you will find peace, love, and forgiveness. Even when you mess up in life, you go back to Jesus. Even when you are discouraged by things in this world or your own feelings you are discouraged by, you go back to Jesus. Even when no one around you understands who you are, you go back to Jesus. And you will find in that presence the peace that your heart is longing for. Don't make the same mistake Cain made. Don't make the same mistake the wicked will make at the end of time by leaving the presence of God and just being in a land of wandering, not knowing where they're going in life, not knowing what's happening to them spiritually, searching for some new exotic, some new stimulation, some new thing to entertain them because they don't have Jesus anymore. And the devil's going to give you many counterfeits to replace that. But that's why it's super important every single day to commune with God. And I can't stress this point enough because I have seen countless number of young people fall away. I've done this enough times to see how many youth just walk away from Jesus when the spiritual pressure is gone. The devil is smarter than you. And that's why you need to be with Jesus every single day, especially right after the summer. You want to know when a buff guy is at its weakest? You know what a buff guy is, right? He's the guy at the gym that likes to give everybody advice about working out. It's not me. I get the advice given to me. But the buff guy is at his weakest after his workout. And after this spiritual summer, after your spiritual workout, you're going to be at your weakest. 
And that's why you need to come to Jesus like never before and determine in your heart, no matter what happens to me, I'm going to spend time with God. Right now, I know God is humbling me. He's teaching me not to rely on my voice. I believe God is speaking to hearts tonight. And he wants you to understand what is necessary. And that is every day you need to have a relationship with him. Every day you need to commune with him. Every single day you need to seek after his face. The Bible doesn't say Folgers awakens me morning by morning. It says the Lord awakens me morning by morning. Amen? Amen. And as you spend time with Jesus, he will give you the tongue of the learned. He will comfort your heart. Every day when you spend time with God, you will grow in grace. And like Enoch, who year after year spent that communion time with Jesus, more and more he began to reflect the glory of God. More and more his face began to shine. The reason why God's people, their faces shine at the end of time, we're told in the spirit of prophecy, is because they have learned to dwell in the presence of God Almighty. God wants to give you that experience. And as you seek him more and more, he will bless you. Amen? But as you're receiving the word, God wants you to give the word too. He wants you to share the word. And as you share that word, more and more your experience, experience will change. You know, I always challenge people with this challenge at my church. Go find a Bible study. Go look for a Bible study. And you will find every day in the daily intercourse of life, God has somebody for you to reach. And God wants you to get a Bible study when you can get it. You go out into life, you will find openings every single moment for you to get a Bible study. You know, it's so funny. One day, I get this email from this guy. He's an Indian guy. That's right. He emails me, this was last year, and he says, hey man, I just have a few questions about the Sabbath. I'm a Christian, I live in the area. And I said, all right, I'll answer those questions. I answered those questions. And then he would email me back and he says, okay, what about this? So I answer those questions as well. And then he says, okay, what about this? I answer those questions as well. But I realized that if I didn't get a Bible study, I was gonna lose this guy. So you know what I did? I said this, I just went for it. I said, hey man, let's meet. I'd love to have a Bible study with you. And you know what he did? He gave me the classic response, which was this. Hey man, I'm not ready yet. I'll probably study with you a little bit later on in the future. And I realized, I am not gonna let that pass. So you know what I did? I challenged him. I wrote an email back to him and I'm like, what are you afraid? What are you gonna lose, right? Not like he sees you. <laughs> he wrote back to me, no, I'm not afraid. <laughs> so I said, let's study the Bible, bro. <laughs> I threw that bro in there for a reason. If you went to my seminar, you know why. And you know what happened? We met, we did Bible studies. He and his whole family got baptized. <laughs> Look. Every single day you're going to get encounters. You just may think to yourself, well, it's just sort of just a little chance encounter. God wants you to go a step further. 
He wants you to try to get a Bible study. One day I was driving back. It was actually Thanksgiving time. I was just driving back. This was what? November of last year? Driving back after eating at some elder's house, a bunch of turferky. I was coming back. And I was driving back. The roads were pretty empty because everybody was gone eating turkey at their house. And I see this guy all the way at this Catholic church. He's at this Catholic church, and he's this young guy. He's got this lowered eclipse, and he's knocking on the door of the Catholic church. But somebody forgot to tell him that Catholic priests are gone on Thanksgiving Day. And actually, I don't know that, but they weren't there that day. <laughs> and you know what happened? He was knocking on the door, and I was at the stoplight. I felt this impression, go talk to him. I rolled my eyes to the Lord, signaled, went in the parking lot, and like I said, I'm not a cute little girl. When I walk up to people, it's very confrontational looking. <laughs> and so I parked up my car and I started walking towards him like this. <laughs> and so you know what I did? I reached out my hand. I said, hey bro, how you doing? I said, I saw you knocking on the door. And he's like, yeah, I wanted some prayer. I said, you want some prayer? He's like, yeah. He's like, I was going to the priest because I just got some stuff in my life I need prayer for. So I said to him, I said, bro, I'm a pastor. I can pray for you. And so he's like, all right. So we prayed. I had some glow, handed him some glow. I said, all right, bro, God bless you. I was about to go back to my car and the Lord impressed me. You go get that Bible study. I turned around, walked right back. And I said, I said, hey, man, you ever study the Bible with anybody? He's like, no. Then I was like, hey, let's just study once or twice. Oh, we'll just do about 30, 45 minutes. And if you don't like it, you don't have to do it again. That's sort of my line. And he's like, all right. So what we did, we started studying the Bible. He got baptized about a month ago. Here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. I never forgot, even as I was studying the Bible with him, and we're just going over, you know, what the Bible says about salvation, he flipped out during that Bible study, too. He's like, when I told him, I was like, and bro, you don't need to go to Mary to find forgiveness? He stood up and he's like, what? Are you telling me I don't have to go to those priests and ask for forgiveness in Mary's name? I was like, you better believe it. And he's just like this, oh my goodness. He flipped out. This brother right now, he absolutely loves the Adventist church. He calls me every other day to ask me what he shouldn't be doing on the Sabbath and what he should be doing on the Sabbath. You know, in fact, he was being chased by the cops one day. And he was like, he's like, hey, bro. He was like, yeah. He's like, I'm really angry at these cops right now. And he's like, I really want to sue them. What should I do right now? I just want to do what God wants me to do. <laughs> I said, bro, just be nice to them. Just be nice to these cops. But God is working his life. And it's incredible, ladies and gentlemen. He absolutely loves Bible truth. But guess what? There are people every single day who we're coming across and we're handing out the literature or we're saying hi or bye to them. And God is saying, go the next step. Amen. You go there and you start talking to them. And you start connecting with them. One day I was sitting in a laundromat and I was just sitting there and this Jehovah Witness comes walking in. Y'all encountered some JWs this year, I can tell. And he comes in there, and he starts talking to this lady who's just sitting down. 
and he's just there, and he starts sharing with her everything that Jehovah Witnesses believe in, and then he turns to me, and I was like, all right, here we go. And so he turns to me, and he doesn't even let me speak for one second. Now, I wanted to provoke a discussion. At the end, I was like, bro, can we pray together? Now, they don't like to pray in Jesus' name. And so what happens is he's like, yeah, let's pray. And he put his hand on me quickly, and he's just started praying. And before I could even say something, he's like, all right, I'll see you later. And then right as he's about to leave the door, he said, he points me, hope to see you as a witness one day. And he leaves just like that. And I was just like, that really wasn't an awesome witnessing encounter. You know what I mean? You know, like when you have a witnessing encounter, or you're about to have one, you're just like, oh, this is going to make a good story. Or for me, I'm just like, oh, that's going to be a great sermon illustration. <laughs> I, I kid you not, much of my motivation for trying to save people sometimes comes across as, oh, it comes along as like, oh, this is going to make a great sermon. <laughs> this is really so, I just go out. It's not always right. But here's the thing, as soon as I was done, she, as soon as that brother walked out, I just kind of shook my head, and I was like, God, it didn't turn out the way I was hoping it. I was, gonna, I was just going to be like, no, you're wrong, and let me baptize you in the Adventist church. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> right? But you know what happened? As soon as he left, I just kind of looked down, a little bit discouraged, and from the corner of my eye, I noticed the lady that he was talking to. And so I turned to her, and I was like, so what'd you think about what he said? And he's like, she's like, yeah, I don't believe anything he said. Now, what was interesting was what the Jehovah Witness said. He basically, in that short speech he gave to the lady, he told them their stance in the military. He told them about the state of the dead and what happens to the wicked at the end of time. Now, what is, this, what is interesting, what he essentially said was not a contradiction of Seventh-day Adventist belief. He essentially said things that many of us could say, oh yeah, I agree with that too. So he said these things to that person and he walked out. And so when I turned to her, I was like, so what do you think he said? He was, she was just like, yeah, I don't believe that. So I sat down and I began to talk to her. I was with one of my good friends. And so as we sat down to talk with her, I said, so where are you from? And she began to give this story about how she used to go to church. And then when she had a child at a wedlock, she felt the church really shunned her. It was an old Baptist church. And she left that church, and she was in a place of wandering. She didn't know where she could go to find spiritual truth anymore. And as I began to, to share Bible promises with her, you know what she started to do? She started to break down and cry. And then I put my hand on her and said, Sister, we're going to pray for you. And we prayed for her. I even gave her the name of the local Seventh-day Adventist church. And she said she was going to go there. Praise the Lord. But ladies and gentlemen, every single place around us, we're going to see witnessing opportunity. It just depends how if you're going to go after it. Are you going to go after it? God wants you to take that step and to start looking for Bible study. If you do not keep working, you will die spiritually. Do you understand that? If you do not keep looking for souls to reach out, you will die spiritually. God doesn't just want you to have a summer ministry. He wants you to have a life of ministry. And what you learn during call pouring, God says, now you go out and you go talk to people. And you try to save them. You say, I don't know how to give a Bible study. Oh, you should have heard me when I first gave me my, my first Bible study. 
I messed up so bad I almost convinced some Sunday was the Sabbath. <laughs> but you keep doing it. And as you keep doing it, God's going to bless you. God wants you to try. But if you're not trying, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. God wants you to keep reaching out. And like Enoch's experience, he was somebody who not only communed with God, but he would go out into the towns to share the love of God. And I love what Ellen White says. She says that Enoch was an Adventist. Enoch was an Adventist. Enoch was an Adventist. And what Enoch was, we can still be. And by the way, you know what Enoch is still doing? He's still doing what Enoch is st was doing in the past. Yeah, he's walking with God, but he's still doing what he did on earth. You know that, right? You know what he was doing on earth? He was going out, visiting other places, preaching the gospel, and then he would go home. Ellen White actually sees Enoch in vision. She sees him on some planet, and she's like, okay, what are you doing here? Is this your home? He says, no, my home is in the city. But you know what Enoch was doing on that planet? He was witnessing some kind of witness. He was visiting other places. And then he was saying, yeah, but my home is in the city. Talking about the heavenly city. What Enoch was doing on earth, he's still doing now. He's going out traveling, sharing the good news about who God is, his character to unfallen worlds. But then he goes back home to the city. And where's the city? The New Jerusalem. What Enoch was doing in the past, he's still doing today. And Enoch's experience can be our experience. God wants us to commune with him. He wants us to share his love with this world. We're told in the spirit of prophecy that two things became the focus of the early church. And that was to represent Jesus to this world and to become more and more like Christ. More and more like Christ. And as you are daily communing with him and daily spending time with his presence, ladies and gentlemen, your heart will overflow with wanting to share his love with other people. The best piece of advice I could give you besides just communing with the Lord is share the love of God. Make that principle part of your life wherever you are at. It doesn't make a difference what you do for him. Just do it. And as you go back home, you take advantage of every single opportunity that comes your way. And you share Jesus. Someone says to you, go preach a sermon. You get up there and you say, all right, I'm going to preach a sermon. Someone says, go up there to sing. And if you've got a voice like I do right now, actually, don't go up there to sing. <laughs> you go find other people to sing. But God wants you to take advantage of every opportunity. And as you take advantage of every opportunity, you will know what God wants you to do. How many people here would love to know the employment God has for them? Would you love to know that? I'm going to show you a quote from Spirit of Prophecy, and you're going to know exactly what kind of employment you should be seeking in the future if you follow this. You ready for this? Here it is. Education 267. We need to follow more closely God's plan of life. Whose plan of life? Now watch what she says right here. To do our best in the work that lies nearest, comma. 
to do your best in the work that lies near us. Whatever opportunities God has given you, do your best, comma. Then watch what she says. To commit our ways to God. Every single day you're getting up and you're spending time with Jesus, you're committing your ways to Him. Then watch what she says next. And to watch for indications of providence. These are rules. These are what? Rules, which means hard, fast lines. Well, rules about what? Rules that ensure safe guidance in the choice of an occupation. You want to know what kind of occupation God would have you to go? Number one, you do your best in the work that lies nearest. Number two, you commit your ways to God. And number three, you watch for indications of providence. And she says, these are rules that will show you what kind of occupation God wants you to go into. You're thinking to yourself, what should I do for the rest of my life? You follow those three principles and make it part of your life. You will know what God wants you to do. You will begin to have an understanding of the paths he is leading you into. But if you're not going to be faithful to those three simple principles, ladies and gentlemen, then you won't ever know. You won't ever know what God would have for you. And the great destiny he has for you, especially in these times. If there ever is a time that God wants to do great things for his people, it is now. It's now. But you have to make that decision to die to self. You have to make that decision to let the refiner do his work in you. You have to make that decision to allow God to take you to that next level of going deeper and deeper and deeper with him. God wants your communion time to be so special that nothing in this world could shake it. Ladies and gentlemen, if there ever is a time we need to be seeking for Jesus, it's now. I have no more words to tell you except that. You need to seek for Jesus every single day to spend time with him, even when nothing in this world goes right. You come back to Jesus. I love what Ellen White says. She says, God loves it when we come to him just as we are, sinful, helpless, and needy. And that's my prayer. Every single day I come to God. I said, Lord, I'm so sinful. I'm so helpless. I'm so needy. But in recognizing that, I realize God loves it when I come to him. Every single day, ladies and gentlemen, I need to come to the presence of God every single day. I need to commune with God. And every single day, my prayer has been more and more, God, use me to do something for you. Use me today to bless you, to bless other people. And day by day, as you make these two simple principles part of your experience, you will fulfill the will of God. God has a plan for your life. Amen? The little old lady at church who says that, she's right. But Satan has a plan for your life too. And he's planning to take advantage of our weaknesses. Listen to me, friends. When the discouragement comes, the trials come, I want you to always realize you have a refuge that is in Jesus. And if you keep Jesus, part of your life every day, he will safely guide you through. He will not fail you. He will not fail you.
Ladies and gentlemen, God is calling us to be consecrated to Him, to seek after what Enoch sought after, which was purity of heart. Purity of heart. God is calling us to seek after like that, seek after that like never before, to consecrate ourselves to Him each and every day. My appeal is very simple, but I believe it should be an appeal a decision cemented by action. Ladies and gentlemen, if that's your desire, you want to be consecrated to God every single day, then I want you to come forward. I want you to come up here and say, Lord, that's my desire. I want to be like Enoch. I want to be like somebody who's consecrated to you, not just for the summer, but for the rest of my life. I want the experience that Enoch had. Father in heaven, we come before you as servants, young and old, male and female, of different ethnicities from different regions. We come before you and we ask you break down the walls in our heart, that you purify us. We ask that you take away our stony heart and replace it with a heart of flesh. Lord, we want to do something special for you. We're sick and tired of being sick and tired. We want to go forth and fulfill the gospel commission of Matthew 28. To go ye therefore to teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And we come before you, Lord, asking that you will equip us asking that you give us the desire for souls that we don't have. That you help us to see people with your eyes. Help us to stop focusing on ourselves, our lives, the things we want to accomplish, our ambitions. And so as we stand before you today, united through the fellowship of Jesus Christ, we ask, Lord, that you will come soon, that you will use us in any and every way you see fit. We love you, Lord, and thank you. In Jesus' name, let everyone here at iShare say, Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.